So you've decided to give up that old behavior that's been killing you and all you care for and surrender to a power greater than yourself. That's the first step. Surrender is what opens the prison door. Now it's time to walk through that door and into a whole new way of life. Spirituality, self-care, service, social connection, and the simple daily disciplines that pave the way to lasting freedom. This is Positive Sobriety. Podcast. Yeah, well, I'm Nate here with my good friend David. Uh, the sun is shining, the sky is blue, spring has sprung. We're recording this episode in April of 2023. Spring has arrived, mm-hmm. uh, and with it, my mood has noticeably brightened. Yes, longer days and uh, <laughs> a, a little greenery, yeah, <laughs> a little sunlight. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, and I think maybe uh, uh, what's helping my mood as well, David, is I'm coming off a great weekend. Mm. Uh, it was a special thing for me. I, I, I was actually out of the house for five days. I went down to Mississippi. Mississippi. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, a little bit of a speaking tour, spoke, uh, had a few speaking engagements down there, but then got to spend the weekend uh, participating in a men's intensive in uh-huh. the woods in Mississippi. Oh, man. And, uh, and this was different for me because I do a lot of weekends, a lot of men's weekends, but I'm almost always in, in charge or a focus of attention. I'm speaking, I'm responsible mm-hmm. for presentation. Right. And a few times I've gone just as an observer to somebody else's process. Mm-hmm. But this time I wasn't the speaker. I wasn't the leader. And mm-hmm. I also wasn't on the fringe. I wasn't an observer. I got to mm-hmm. be a participant. Mm-hmm. I got to be one of the new guys. Oh yeah, and uh, and I was in the company of uh, eleven other new guys, and we were surrounded by uh, some veterans of the process. They call this re- weekend uh, deer camp. It's very redneck. <laughs> uh, <laughs> this is redneck recovery, man. Okay, the, okay, uh, camo uh, and uh, the whole uh, thing, or are you know, we... lots of country music. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, Lots of smoked meat, mm. um, but uh, and lots of men who've been through the weekend who have learned the power of vulnerability and transparency, the necessity of community. Mm-hmm. Drop the macho uh, mask and mm-hmm. have actually, you know, revealed themselves to other people. Found deep friendship. And in it, yeah. the power for transformation, right? Wow, yeah. So uh, I, I, they graciously invited me into that circle. Wow. I got to come in, in the company of 11 other guys. Now, to me, the transparency piece and the vulnerability piece is not new. Thank mm-hmm. God. Mm-hmm. I've learned mm-hmm. that. Yeah. So it wasn't, t- I didn't, you know, it's not like I'm telling my story for the first time. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't have any secrets left to tell, really. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Although um, I got to say some stuff there 
on that weekend that I have only told two or three other people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? I've not right. been carrying them alone. I got good mm-hmm. friends who carry them with me. Right. Um, but I got the chance to say them out loud to people who had already seen me in a public forum. They'd mm-hmm. seen the bright and shiny, you know, recovery mm-hmm. leader, the guy 25 years in recovery. Mm-hmm. And I got to talk frankly, transparently, honestly about where I am today. The fact mm-hmm. that there's always a fight going on. Oh yeah, absolutely. Always. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, um, and if we somehow find ourselves in the situation where we feel that we're under the obligation always to project uh, success, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we can't admit that we're getting our ass kicked somewhere. Yeah. 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 Uh, for fear that somehow it will undermine other people's confidence in recovery or the process. Mm-hmm. Now we're in a bad spot. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, so it was, well, it was liberating for me and wonderful just to hang out with those guys. Yeah, and, uh, just, and let it all hang out while I was yeah. with them. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, and and I I really envy the opportunity, uh, Nate, for you to get to hear guys. Uh, if, if, for you to experience them saying their thing for the first time, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah, because oh, yeah. I, yeah. I had that experience a lot with people, sure. you know, it coming in and daily with, you know, clients. Uh, and, and you and I know that feeling all too well too, where you know that if you say this out loud, you're just sure that the ground is going to open up and swallow you. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, yeah, it's yeah. going to, you know, uh, havoc will be wreaked on the earth and plagues will break yeah, out yeah. and, you know, terrible things will happen to the human race because you dared to tell your truth. And, um, yeah, yeah. and, and, you know, you just watch people. It's almost like watching somebody give birth. You know, mm-hmm. you're, they're, they're mm-hmm. just struggling, struggling how much to say. And you know ahead of them what, you know, you're sitting there, you could almost write the story that you're, you're about yeah, to hear yeah. in some capacity. Yeah. But but um, watching them experience the freedom of mm-hmm. having having released something that has probably been carried for, you know, oh, God knows yeah. how long and um, and get that first dose of um, uh, exhale from, from just being able yeah. to be vulnerable for the first time. You know, mm-hmm. um, that's a, that's a great experience to have. So I'm, I'm, despite the smoke meat and the, uh, <laughs> the woods part, uh, I envy well, you I, that. Hey, I got, I, I got in touch with my inner redneck. Uh, okay. I, okay. I, okay. I, I come from good country stock and, yeah. uh, I enjoyed every minute of it. I really did. Uh-huh. I think, I think that maybe this Princeton sophisticate is a bit of a put on really, <laughs> <laughs> underneath it i'm just a redneck uh yeah yeah, yeah i understand that um yeah i i don't know if that's true for me but i i'm gonna <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know that, that uh that that kid that went to music school from the fourth grade on is uh is still in me somewhere feeling very threatened <laughs> <laughs> but uh man that's so good though i'm so glad to hear that you know all kinds of uh uh you know cultural expressions i guess is a mm-hmm. way to put it mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. are experiencing uh the opportunity to tell their truth and to find yeah. freedom yeah. so that's it that is exciting for sure yeah 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 
All right. Well, uh, we've, we've booked a guest that our listeners are not going to want to miss. And we will introduce him when we return on the Positive Sobriety Welcome back to the Positive Sobriety Podcast. Say, uh, David, I don't know how you managed to score these great guests, but somehow you found us another fascinating person to talk with this week. Uh, Go ahead and introduce our guest, will you? Well, I will. And actually, our guest this week found us and uh, told us about some uh, great things that uh, he's got going on in the area of recovery, but he's got a really great uh, perspective. Uh, uh, this is Ed Lattimore from uh, the Pittsburgh, PA area, and he is a speaker. He's an author, a former professional boxer, and uh, he's been a. Uh, oh, you too? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that makes three of us. God, what a coincidence. <laughs> <laughs> Who would have thought? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, Ed is uh, also, he's the author of this great book called Sober Letters to My Drunken Self, which I want to talk to him about. I'm very curious about that. And, uh, you know, he's uh, got a TEDx talk on addiction and identity. He's uh, uh, been on a number of podcasts, uh, including, I think, Dr. Drew's show and uh, just a number of people that he's gotten to speak to. And um, so I'm, I'm eager to just hear Ed's story, but also, Ed, welcome welcome to the podcast and thank you for uh, finding us and uh, letting us know about the great positive stuff you're doing. Hey, you know, thanks. I, I sometimes forget that that Tom just keeps on passing by. And as long as you like use each day to do something a little constructive over time, you'll do a lot of constructive things, some with more impact than others. Mm-hmm. And and so like this year, this December, it'll be ten years sober and and I've been like, you know, like my first year was just like, ah, oh, you know, I'm 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 working through this thing and and I actually mm-hmm. had to trick myself and I said, you know, we'll, we'll try this for two years while I'm fighting and back in school. And and after that, you know, we'll, we'll go back. And I said, after year one, I'm like, why would I ever go back to, to that? Mm-hmm. I, I yeah. feel so good. Life's so great. But but yeah, I ever I wasn't even trying to do anything uh, with it, just really living it and becoming becoming the person. Because recovery, uh, I think I think what a lot of people forget or, or don't realize, and certainly no one told me, mm-hmm. uh, you, you really become a new person because yeah. your old habit yeah. patterns and the universe you created with those habit patterns uh, dies. Mm-hmm. There, there's just there's no way for it to to coexist with the new you. And so you become this this new person, mm-hmm. and and I think around you know year four someone reached out to me on Twitter because I had been like writing about it. I have articles on my site mm-hmm. and he was like, you know, I don't know if you got your, your, your chip yet. I'd love to see you get your, your four year chip. I'm, I'm coming through town. You want to hit a meeting up and we hit a meeting up. And it was like, it was the second meeting I'd ever gone to. I went to, I went to one meeting the day I got sober, my first day of not drinking. And, mm-hmm. and in my arrogance, I was like, you know, I've got a problem, but I'm not like these guys. <laughs> and, and I'll be able yeah. to figure it out. Well, I mean, I figured it out, but it wasn't until I went back four years later, I was like, oh, man, I'm just like you guys. You know, mm-hmm. the only difference is I got lucky. 
mm-hmm. and didn't like end up in jail or having to fight for my kids or something wild. Mm-hmm. So uh, after that point, I just said, you know, there there are there are a lot of. I've I've never been a big representation guy. I didn't think that mattered, and I, yeah. and I still don't. For me, it doesn't matter if I'm going to do something. I want to do something. But what I've learned being in the internet space is that people people really look at you know is there someone that looks like me sounds like me with my similar background or or, or that, that I can see myself in and they're going through this and mm-hmm. then I can do it too so at that point I, I wouldn't say I'm like a a recovery activist or anything but if I have a a chance to spread the word and talk and and really discuss my story and my end and who I am, I I think that goes a long way. So that's you know, year five sober letters came out. Mm-hmm. I did that as my and I released it on my sobriety date mm. because I, I wanted it. It was just my way to give back mm-hmm. to to people and and then you know the TEDx talk and the articles and and I, I try mm. to everything I do. I just want people to see uh, what is possible mm-hmm. <laughs> because I just. You know, yeah. one of the things I talked about in my talk is that, in my, in my TED talk is that the identity is, is a big deal. If you don't, if you don't, if you have no idea what being a sober person looks like, trying to become one is effectively suicide. And you don't, and then, mm-hmm. and you react to it as such in, in terms of a threat on your psyche. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I love what you say about identity too, because I think that. Uh, I wish we had a, I say this a lot, but I wish we had a better name for recovery in a way, because it's not about, you know, going back and reclaiming the old normal. The old normal didn't work and the old normal was what got me here, you know, but, uh, but I like what you're saying about also having to kind of make peace with the, the, the person you were a little bit and kind of integrating that into your, into your life. And that's sort of the basis of your book, right? Um, Making peace with the aftermath of, yeah, you know, because you know, I, I don't, I don't know how it was for you guys or anything like that. But, but when I was like, oh, I think I'm gonna, you know, get sober, yeah. uh, people were like, oh, you know, you're gonna have to change your friends. Everyone said that. Yeah. Everyone mm-hmm. told me that maybe my friend circle would change. Much to my very pleasant surprise, um, m- the relationships I had in my life prior to, to drinking got stronger. Mm-hmm. Most of the ones that I made while I was drinking faded off one way or the other. There are some notable exceptions to this rule, mm-hmm. but for the most part, uh, the good got better and the, and the bad fell off. Mm-hmm. But what no one warned me about was, was like, I was going to have kind of this dual psyche. It, mm-hmm. I would be, there was this it was it was like a dream right you look and go man that was crazy all that happened i was hurt and i felt like i was going to die i heard these people but but you're here and now you're not in that dream anymore mm-hmm. the difference is that you did do a lot of stuff mm-hmm. you 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 have people have a memory of you and these things and that behavior and so now you got to go do something about that now whatever the, there are different ways to go about that and that's largely mm-hmm. what i've discussed in the book Mm-hmm. But but you don't just because you just because you're you've recovered you know yeah. that mean people forget that mean they're gonna, they're <laughs> right gonna people are gonna forgive either 
You know, sometimes yeah. they do, sometimes they don't. But yeah, I, I have a, I didn't have a word for it, and I still don't know if I have a really good one. But I just, you know, reference the things I know and use them to describe what I'm experiencing. Mm-hmm. And and in my book, I call it the Angelus Syndrome because uh, I named it after this character from from Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the the series, uh-huh. the, the vampire Angelus. Who, who was, you know, the badass vampire that terrorized and killed and tortured everyone. Mm-hmm. And and he, he messed with the wrong person who happened to be a gypsy and she put a spell on him. And the spell or curse uh-huh. was to give him a soul. Because that's how vampires can behave that way. They don't have a soul, according mm-hmm. to the Lord. And mm-hmm. Joss Whedon's Buffy. So once he's got a soul, now he, he sulks for centuries. And then the show picks up with the with the spinoff. Uh, well, the show picks up in Buffy and then with the spinoff of Angel of him going, okay, I've soaked enough. Uh, I'm going to live forever because I'm a vampire. What am I going to do about this? And so he goes and starts fighting the monsters and making it right. And and that is how I I see myself. It's like, well, you know, I was an asshole and, <laughs> and caused a lot of problems uh-huh. and hurt some people. Mm-hmm. And I can't undo any of that. Thank mm-hmm. goodness I didn't kill anybody or 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 mm-hmm. sell anyone. Mm-hmm. But, but so what can I do to make it better? And my the only answer I came up with <laughs> was try to help some people uh, move away from it. Because I, mm-hmm. I'll tell you one thing. Hey, here's something that you know every every field attracts its grifters, right? Uh, the sobriety field is a really hard one to attract grifter because there's not really any money in this field. You know? <laughs> if, if, if you're if you're going to talk about helping people get get sober, you know you're you're dealing with a population that that you know it's kind of part of the definition are messed up. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> they, they don't have tons of money to drop, and and mm-hmm. I'm happy whenever my book sells. Uh, a copy or so, and I but I cherish the reviews. Like I, I did, definitely didn't write that book. I didn't go. You know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna make ten thousand dollars this year off of these books. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, uh, it didn't work that way. Uh, but but I, I just bring that up to say that a lot of a lot of what is done uh, on my end is is very much done out of a sense of obligation. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like I got lucky, and I feel like you know. That God let me not go to prison or get a DUI so I could help other people not one day. That, that's how I have to look at it. Any other yeah. way doesn't help me. Yeah, yeah. Well, and you're living in an outward facing way. So the focus isn't all on yourself. The focus isn't all on um, your uh, your uh, your triggers or your obsession with whatever your obsession with self you're facing outward when you're doing these kinds of things and it and it helps you as much as I'm sure the people uh, that you help so yeah I, I I just you know change everybody wants change to be big and instant and when it isn't they decide it's not worth it mm-hmm. what I've found is that the the real effective way to make change is small and expected to take a while. Mm-hmm. And, and if you do that, the results accrue and compound. If I help one person, I I was thinking about this really heavily actually the other day because in, in the span of two in the span of one week really, uh, two two friends that I, I I never see them from the military, 
uh, they they both leaving their husbands because of their drinking issues, mm. and they have kids and all this together. And, and I think that 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 life, mm-hmm. it's not just that guy who's gonna uh, ruin his life or his relationship. The kids are gonna have to deal with that, and then mm-hmm. the aftermath of how they're gonna behave uh, to other people. That mm-hmm. may have a compounding negative effect, mm-hmm. as we know. You know, the children of, of alcoholics have a much higher percentage of becoming mm-hmm. alcoholics themselves. Yeah. And so I just think, you know, if you can get through to just that one dude and get him to to reform, change his ways, put the bottle down, even drink less, mm-hmm. to where it's not a domestic issue. What what have you done? You're gonna you're you're creating a result that you'll you'll likely never see the result of, mm-hmm. and you'll you'll mm-hmm. never know. I mean, I, I think about this a lot. I always tell Anna, I go, you know, there's a whole timeline we just never had to go down because you you've never been around me me, me drunk. It never happened. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I think about that in other people's relationships. Like you know, that now his kids they're gonna grow up and have to deal with that. She's gonna have to deal with that. You know, any mm-hmm. court issues. All that, all that can be wiped out in an instant. And when you wipe that out, you create a positive effect downstream decades later, miles away that you'll never be able to see or never know about it. But you know, you didn't mess things up. Yeah. 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 You know, I tell myself that every time we sit down to record a podcast, because we have this conversation and it's beautiful in the moment. Then we post the show, you know, a week or two, and that first wave of people hears it, right? But then that podcast is up there freaking forever, for as long as there's an internet. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> what amazes me, uh, you know, I've got another podcast I've been doing now for 15 years, and how many people I meet today who are starting with episode one and mm-hmm. being impacted by something that I've freaking forgotten. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> well, tell us, uh, rewind the story for us a little bit, Ed, will you? Uh, how is it that you got to the point where you said something's got to change and alcohol is the thing that has to go? Well, I had been spinning my wheels a little in, in my life. I, I I look back and and really the only thing I had going for me is I, I was boxing. I was, and I was not bad. I, in fact, I guess I was good. I mean, I got a, I had a, a national championship as an amateur, was, was heavily sponsored and mm-hmm. things, things were going well, but, but part of my personality, uh, and this is going to sound weird in the context of everything. I, I'm a very conscientious person. I'm, I'm, and, and really, I think I'm just good at, at seeing how, what I do now is going to have an effect later or not do now. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, and, and I was like, yeah, if I ever get injured, I'm not going to have anything in my life to fall back on. I didn't, you know, I hadn't gone to school. I didn't have any of the credits or, or any of the skills. Uh, I was just, I had fought and I, I really didn't like that. And so I went and looked at like where my life, why? Cause I had tried other things. And fighting was the only thing that I really stuck with and made progress through. Mm. I said, why am I not, why, why can't I get it together? And, and I looked at everything 
And and when I'm looking at one problem, I start seeing other problems. At first, I'm like, all right, I don't have any money. It's like, well, why, what's keeping you from working and doing different things or and getting that up or, or increasing your skill set? And I try and trace it to all these things. And then eventually, it keeps, it keeps coming back to like the prioritization I put on alcohol over everything else. Mm-hmm. Even in my training, you know, I was moving my training schedule around so I could get to the bar for happy hour, which is mm-hmm. nuts. Think of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right? So yeah. I, you're not you're not telling us, in other words, that alcohol made you a better fighter. No, I absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and and I just looked at the 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 way I lived and and I think the way and, and what really had an impact on me. Everyone has that moment where they go, maybe I have a problem. And, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, whether you do something about it at that, that point is a different story, mm-hmm. but there's that moment where you go, this might be out of hand. And for everyone that's different for me, uh, there was this girl I was seeing and, and we were talking one night and it came up that a bunch of people that I thought were my friends that really weren't had taken her out and warned her not to be involved with me because of my drinking. Mm. Oh, and I had heard, and then you know, stories about how I had behaved at their families or whatever uh, when they took me around about the drinking, and I started looking at other things. And I was like, you know, you guys got a problem. And I remember I poured out this this bottle. I, we were on a camping trip, and mm-hmm. it was a bottle of um, uh, Captain Morgan Black. You know, where they they had the extra oh. extra ten proof or something like that over yeah. there. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I poured it out. I had brought it up. And then in a week I was drinking because that's what it is, a yo-yo. You know, you think, right. yeah, 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 sure, yeah. Uh, that was that was the the first part because because to me people are really important, like like the most important thing. Uh, not and at that point they they weren't important enough for me to quit, but they they brought the awareness. And then and then I went to I went to the military. I, I enlisted in, in 2013, and went off for basic training, and and then basic and AIT. You, you can't drink. I managed to sneak off base one time at AIT and have a drink, but like it wasn't even a serious drink. But when I got back that December, I remember, you know, I went out and partied with my friends. I got real drunk. And then I didn't remember uh, how I got to my friend's house. I just knew that I drove there. And I was like, all right, this is really dangerous. And I got stuff to lose now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, was, I was in the army, which means... Uh, not only am I, I subject to civilian justice, but also the Uniform Code of Military Justice. Yeah, that's scary. Uh, it, very much so. Uh, <laughs> and, and then I had I had just enrolled in school, I had just turned pro, and I had just met the mother of my, my child now, right? This was this was ten years ago. And I and I remember thinking, she you know, she always tell her, you know, you're not the reason why I stopped drinking, but you are the weight, the actual thing that, that really pushed me over because I said, you know, you're a really nice girl. Like, she wasn't, she didn't drink and party. Like, we, we didn't meet in a bar and a club. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just remember thinking, you know, this is a really nice girl. And, and if I messed this relationship up, I want it to be because I'm an asshole, not because the alcohol did it. See, see, that mm. part of my yeah, personality yeah. is still there where I'm thinking, like, mm-hmm. my behavior is going to reverberate down the line somewhere. You know, if she's got, because mm-hmm. she didn't have any baggage. I knew that because she liked me, because mm-hmm. got baggage, uh, I stand out like a, like, like a, like a sore thumb, you know, <laughs> I'm just a guy that can fight in the shape. 
But, but if you got baggage, you're looking at me going, you look like everyone else out there. But I didn't want to mess that up. And so those things came together and I just said, let me, let me, let me stop. And I'm really happy I did because you don't realize how many things are downstream of, mm-hmm. <laughs> of alcohol. It's like mm-hmm. a, the keystone habits, I call them. Like you get rid of one, you get rid of a bunch of other bad ones. And you don't mm-hmm. even realize mm-hmm. that like alcohol is being used to to either um, excuse or empower and enable is the word. Excuse mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. enable. Uh, your bad habits and I'm really happy because I, I couldn't imagine how my life would be otherwise like I really can't I, f- I really feel bad I made a tweet about this the other day I said I you know I really feel bad for for the, the version of me in the alternate universe that did not stop drinking because mm-hmm. you know maybe there was some success but I can tell you right now there's a lot of heartache mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah and nothing Ooh. that uh, you know a good uh, drinking habit can't undo <laughs> You right. Know. Oh man, that's, that's true. Well, what do they say? Well, I always say, you know, Rome was built. In, Rome wasn't built in a day, but they wiped Hiroshima and Nagasaki out in a matter of seconds. Mm-hmm. You, mm-hmm. you can you can destroy something real fast, but really foolishly. Yeah, yeah. You could. You, we can. We can screw it up without even trying when there's a, a dependency like that involved. But um, Ed, I wanted to ask you, how did you get the idea or the concept to? Um, right from your sober self to your drunken self uh, and create this this book concept oh man i'm i'm trying to think i know how i think so so i know how i likely thought of it mm-hmm. so I'll, I'll just give you that mm-hmm. i the the theme that continues to run through or this combo that just keeps coming up is is i, I just i just feel more aware than the average person Mm-hmm. Of the relationship of of now to later or, mm-hmm. or here mm-hmm. to far. Mm-hmm. Butterfly effect and you know and causality. Yeah. 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 So and and, and I, I got to thinking, I was like, you know, there there's a version of me somewhere that is has is sober. And mm-hmm. what would I what would I tell my myself now I'm now that I'm talking through it? I remember, and I remember, I wrote this in the book too. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I when I got sober, I was like, man, uh, you know, the, the the emotional part dealing with stuff is this is hard. And you figure mm-hmm. it out, you figure it out, and you can help other people. And I said, well, if I was going to write this book, I would write this as if I was talking to me then, and that was mm-hmm. the lens through everything I put in the book. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking to myself now. Uh, rather, I'm talking to myself from now. I'm I'm so where I've gone through it. Mm-hmm. And I'm helping me transition. Right, it's a real transition point. I mean, you are creating a new habit. That's what I call it. I call it a sobriety habit. Mm-hmm. You create mm-hmm. a new habit in the face of an old one that is supported uh, by by culture in every way. Mm-hmm. You know, not not mm-hmm. I'm, I'm really nice. I'm really excited. Things have seem to be turning and by that i mean uh sobriety is becoming a little more normal right more of a cultural shift yeah yeah and that's cool because i'll tell you what man now the 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 alcohol companies they don't don't like that but i'll I'll tell you what if you get something healthy like that in the mainstream Mm -hmm. world's lives change 
but that's how I came up. I came up with that concept. I, I said, let me write to myself as if I had this had the help that I really needed. And then, mm-hmm. yeah. Ed, when uh, we talk about cultural pressure. When you got started in boxing, was the hard drinking, hard fighting definition was it? Was that was that part of the package when you signed on to be a boxer? Was that ah? Uh, this is interesting. Okay, I will say that there's levels to everything. Okay, it was very much so uh, to a point. In the amateur ranks, is that uh, it? definitely in the amateur ranks for sure. And, and guys, you know, when they're not training for a fight, uh, and some even when they are, but and the, there are a lot of guys that that training for fights you got to keep them busy because otherwise they'll self destruct. Uh, because that that personality that 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 leads to, or rather, a lot of the personality defects or mechanisms that lead to someone being susceptible to addiction. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That makes a hell of a fighter, too, man. Uh, it's oh, that's sport. a good point. Yeah. You, you know, uh, the the guy that runs to a fight, because remember, most of us, are our, our natural inclination is we don't want to get hit. Mm-hmm. Right. But to have the ability to, to steal yourself and go in there and, and then do it even at a remotely consistent level. And I'm, not, I'm not talking about, you know, your, your weakened warriors. Yeah, that's what I call them. And there, there's, I still... Much mm-hmm. respect to guys that just go and try a fight or two and then go, this isn't for me. But mm-hmm. the guys that, you know, put in decades, <laughs> that's not normal. There, mm-hmm. There's something I'm convinced there is. If you, and if you look at every story, you'll see this is true to, to a degree. Mm-hmm. Every one of us has got something wrong, something defective. Mm-hmm. Uh, fighting fighting is a pills one way, one reason or another. And yeah. So that alcohol. Now, as you get better, as you move up, I always say, if you let boxing change you, if you let it purify you, it's going to do a hell of a job of making you a better human. Wow, mm-hmm. it's not supposed to, right? Mm-hmm. It, it, but it, but it can. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. like you can go to a war and come out a killer, man. You go to jail mm-hmm. and come out a better criminal, or mm-hmm. you can come out uh, reformed. If you, if you uh, boxing is the same way, I think. Mm-hmm. And so. When I when I turned pro, I I drank even harder until I ended up with what my coach Tom Yankello and and Tom lives a very clean life to the point where it's annoying. Like, <laughs> like, like I, I give you an example of the the level of the for doesn't drink, doesn't smoke, none of that stuff. So, uh-huh. And okay, but to him that's just bare minimum. You know, we we went to his house. His, his grand his father was having a birthday party, uh, and it was cake. And and I had a piece of cake, and he 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 starts yelling at me, and I'm like, why would you like I'm in your house having the cake? He's like, well, I'm not eating it. Why are you? And I'm like, okay, we we, we got into an argument once because I ordered some juice the night before a fight. Now I'm a heavyweight, by the way, or was, so it's not like I had to worry about making weight. Uh, that's the kind of guy guy Tom is, but but that example. That was the first time I'd ever seen somebody live that kind of disciplined life, and then, and and not be a zealot like some weird, uh, weirdo about it, where they 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 converted to a lifestyle and they got to do this mm-hmm. because 
But no, that that was just part of his life. And and he expected his fighters to to live as close to that as they could. Mm. And if he thought you were capable, you know, he had one guy who was, was a bit of an addict, one of the most popular, uh, one of the best fighters uh, that uh, come out of the city, Paul Spatterford. That guy's got a, got a slew of issues. I'm sure he didn't, didn't really push that, but he knew I had it in me. And so he he was a little more aggressive with my approach, with his approach to me. And and it worked, you know. Mm-hmm. I, am, I, I credit being in that gym and in that environment with my sobriety. And that doesn't happen to everyone. I, I don't want to paint the picture like that's the norm. There are a mm-hmm. lot of lot of fighters who because because it is it's stressful. It's very stressful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You spend six to eight weeks getting ready for a fight. And in that time, there isn't a fighter alive who would think you who would go, Yeah, I go drink a party. They live like monks. Hard mm-hmm. life. Mm-hmm. Cut loose. I didn't but but in that cut loose, like you said, you can you can ruin your life. You know, to put it put a tell you a story that just happened, you can look this up. Uh, one of the one of the, one of the great fighters of our time, Earl Spence Jr. He um, he went out after a fight, was drinking, drove his Lambo, drunk, flipped it a bunch of times, got thrown from it. Yeah. You want to talk about God? You know, my mom used to always say, "God protects babies and fools," and, <laughs> and you 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 got to see the surveillance footage of this because they got it. He got tossed at the right angle and the right time, a millisecond too soon, too late. Oh man, he's crushed, dead, broken. Mm. He escapes with a few busted teeth and goes on to keep fighting. But that's standard. We just we just see it when it blows up like that. It's mm-hmm. so bad. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's a it's a, it's a rough life. It yeah. attracts rough people. Yeah, and, and I'm no I'm no different. But the the difference is, you know, for me and my path, I I I started to have other things to help me want to be sober. I think one of the things that keeps people from from getting sober, they don't care about themselves enough. At least, you know, ultimately, I came to that conclusion about why I was drinking so much. Mm. That you just didn't have a a sense of yourself uh, that you cared enough about is that what you're is that what you yeah mean? yeah mm-hmm. you know like like there you know it's one of those things that happens when when i think you grow up the way i grow up because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm i'm your typical at-risk youth mm-hmm. born and raised in public housing projects single mom mm-hmm. uh poverty all that kind of stuff and and with that you know it's not like you get this great mom at home who happened to wake up one day and end up in the projects like nah they're there are reasons, and those reasons tend to be uh, passed on mm-hmm. to the children, or they experience them through the behavior. But in many cases, both, and mm-hmm. that has an effect. And and for example, you know, we we had the we had the baby shower a few months ago, and, and I remember sitting there with all my friends, and I just remember thinking, like, man, you guys all showed up for me, like people I've known longer than I have it, like over my mm-hmm. whole life. And I'm I'm surprised they're all there, and I just I just it, it, it's really hard for me to accept that idea that people just like me for me. I always feel like I have to to perform mm-hmm. or be exceptional, and and it, it's a really uncomfortable idea that people just like me for me. So so as a result, you know, I didn't really like me for me, mm-hmm. and so to me, you know, like like I guess it really didn't matter too much 
how much I drank or who I pissed off. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like, I love my friends and, and everything, but I think part of me was like, ah, uh, you know, if I do something while I'm drunk, they'll understand or, or they're not really my friend, which is a weird thought now that it comes out of my mouth. Mm-hmm. But, but, because I know I used to harbor that idea with strangers, which was like, ah, oh, you know, if you didn't like me when I was drunk, we wouldn't get along sober. That's addict thinking. You hear how backwards yeah. that is, right? <laughs> uh, yeah. That, yeah. That, but, but very much so. Um, I also used to say in the, in the same realm of addict thinking, I would say, you know, 95% of my problems are either caused or exacerbated by alcohol. So my life mm-hmm. must be pretty good. I use that as, an, as a justification for my life. Being good. <laughs> If only five percent yeah. of our problems were like, I was like, no, 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 no. But yeah. got it backwards. If you stop drinking, your life would improve. Ninety-five <laughs> uh, percent of it would improve, and the other five, you know, that's that's work. Are probably is related to alcohol. Yeah, but yeah. That that's 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 how that goes, and and that's that's why why or rather how that manifested. Mm-hmm. I didn't I didn't think I was I was I guess I guess I didn't think I was worthy of love. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, yeah, that's a a very core, core issue. And I tell people a lot uh, in my work that um, until you can begin to see or create a life that you don't need to escape, you know, um, because that, you know, we talk about not drinking, not drinking, not drinking, but, um, but we've got to make some, some adjustments in that dissonance, you know, that we feel in our life that uh it that that we can create a life that we don't need to escape and when we do that it's going to be a hell of a lot easier not to drink you know uh man that is that is so true uh you know one of the worst points of my life drinking wise when i I lived in los angeles i had i had just been recruited uh, as part of this group that was training guys for the olympic trials And and I was out there for almost two years. I think it was like twenty months, and and I drank almost every day, a fairly large amount. And I did it because I lived in this area, of Carson. I didn't know anybody. And if anyone's familiar with LA, Carson is like, uh, you know, when people think about LA, they don't think about Carson. They might think about like mm-hmm. the hood in South Central or the mm-hmm. beaches and the, the, the South. The beaches of like Santa Monica and Redondo and Manhattan, mm-hmm. Burbank. You know, this is just like this place that doesn't even exist. I, I didn't know existed, mm-hmm. and and I I was cut off. I didn't have a car because I, I my license was suspended, uh, not for anything related to alcohol, thank goodness. Mm-hmm. But I was just uh, lonely. I didn't I didn't really like. I had fighting. I would mm-hmm. fight, come home, will fight, come home. It was yeah. miserable to me, and so I you know. And I live in Pennsylvania. I was coming from Pennsylvania, uh, which mm-hmm. is one of the two states where the where the alcohol is controlled by the government. Mm. So we, you know, I had never lived in any other state. A uh, brief stint in New York, uh, but but not really a thing I thought about. Mm-hmm. That the the state store that's what we call it, wines and spirits. I eat a state store, mm-hmm. but in California, I could just go over to Target and yeah. get a yeah. bottle. Yeah, that blew my mind. Um, yeah, so it was real easy. Yeah, to, which which made me think about how crazy things could have been if if I lived in a state not Pennsylvania or Utah. Yeah, 
Well, well yeah. and now with now with DoorDash and all that, we get our uh, liquor delivered. I mean, it's like oh, you, it's, know. It's, you know what's crazy? I didn't even know that was a thing because uh-huh. I, I've been I've been sober longer than DoorDash. I say I've been, so, <laughs> I say I've been single longer than Hens. Like I never had a Hens or a, or a um, or I've been single longer than I've been in a relationship longer than hens or uh tender so i, n- I never mm-hmm. had an account on either one of those uh-huh. and it's not like i was holier than that and i used all yeah. those apps right yeah um mm-hmm. and and i guess this thing too i didn't know you could get your alcohol delivered had no idea that is that is yeah absolutely terrible <laughs> <laughs> it's you know it's a it's an amazing uh thing when you're when when you've got folks that are trying to stay sober and and they don't even have to leave the house now you know, yeah, that's so that's, wild, it's pretty, it's pretty intense, but, uh, man, it's, it's great to talk to you about all this, Ed. Um, if people wanted to get in touch with you or have you come and speak at an event or, uh, obviously they can get your book on Amazon, I, I'm sure, but, um, how can people reach you? So I'm Ed Lattimore everywhere. Um, okay. Anybody born after me who wanted to use that name on social media, sorry. Uh, <laughs> So my website is edlattimore.com. Mm-hmm. My my Twitter is edlattimore. My Instagram is edlattimore. My Facebook, uh, both Facebooks, my personal and my, my business page. But I, I just kind of blend the two. What I've learned is that uh, while obviously you have to have some degree of privacy, the, the transparency in my life keeps me honest. Mm. And that's, yep. that's awesome. Mm-hmm. And so, so I, you know, I have both, but you know, one with the blue check is the business. One without it is, is personal, mm-hmm. uh, but both Ed Lattimore and, and someone beat me to it on YouTube. I'm Ed Lattimore one. That's my YouTube channel. Oh, okay. 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 Good deal. All right. Well, Ed, thank you so much for taking time to speak with us. Congratulations on the, on the baby. Life does change when you're a dad. Uh, was that uh, was that your is that your first child? First one. God just showed yeah. up, man. You know, like when, you, <laughs> when you're with somebody, look, when you're with somebody, we've been together. Shit, it'll be it'll be eleven, twelve, two thousand. When I moved back here, it'll be eleven years this year. Um, yeah. So, so when you're with somebody this long, you know there are no accidents, but there mm-hmm. are unplanned events. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that's uh, we're we're very we're, we're, we we love him. I have a great plan, and now he's five months old. Because the the first the first like month or two, it really is just like taking care of this this uh, blob that doesn't uh-huh. even acknowledge that you're here. Uh-huh. But yeah, now, yeah. like when I come in the room, he smiles and we can yeah. laugh. I can toss yeah. him in the air because he has neck control now. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> it's, 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 he'll lay, he rolls around the floor and. And reaches for stuff, so it's, it's cool. We're, I'm like interacting with with him. Yeah, and, and like I feel like when I like we were out this morning, uh, because whenever he has trouble sleeping, so I just put him in the car seat and we, we drive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I do like a lesson or something, and um, I decided to stop at Chick Fil A for breakfast. Took him out, and I just feel like when he's looking at me when he wakes up, I feel like we're communicating. I know mm-hmm, he, mm-hmm. and so I try and to talk are. to him and explain what we're, what we're doing because I know his brain is picking up the language. I just have to make sure I, mm-hmm. I speak to him. And it, it's fun. I, oh, I you know, I would not, I would not. I'll say this. Overall, my life, uh, in terms of emotional maturity, financial stability, mm-hmm. 
experiences because I wanted to have enough certain experiences to where I wouldn't feel like I missed out on anything. I don't think I would have been ready for children. If I would have done it like with as little lag as possible three years ago, that's probably the uh, mm-hmm. one I would have had. But so I, if I could have done it, do it again, I'd, I'd have done it three years earlier. That's mm-hmm. but 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 not near sooner than that. I just didn't hit yeah. all cylinders. Yeah, uh, and be good. But yeah, this is this is a really fun thing. I I think every everyone should do it. I I can honestly say, uh, I did not know what I was missing. And, that, that, mm-hmm. and that's not to say, like, I, I would never describe this shit as fun. Uh, most, <laughs> most, most of the time, uh, I most love of it. the time, fun is not the, the adjective I use. Well, you're, yeah. Meaningful. Yeah, you're a couple yeah. of years from fun, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, <laughs> it, it'll, it'll be fun, but it, it won't be fun right away. <laughs> yeah, that, that's what it is. It's like, it's like, um, it's like everything. The, the, the beginning is is difficult and mm. but the, the thing about this thing you can't quit most people quit things never they never get the, the big payoff yeah. I, you know, I can't quit this i just you know i just gotta you know like last night i'm pretty sure i, I slept three hours like i don't know uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> because i make sure i go get coffee you know my mm-hmm. wife decided she was like yeah i'm going on because she had to go decaf when she was pregnant so mm-hmm. like, i'm not going back and and every morning when i'm exhausted and i and i get a little boost in my step from because i never drank coffee for energy it was always for taste uh-huh. that has changed <laughs> um, I, I very much intentionally uh, a lot of times will have go leave the house and get a cup of caffeinated coffee because now we have the decaf Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, but she's cool, and I'm like, you gotta wake up and feed him. I don't know how you are, how you are fun, man. Uh, well, <laughs> it it will be fun, and you'll be great. It it will be awesome. Yeah. So sober dad, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. That that is cool. I'll be a very present, good. Once again, I'll be setting an example, mm-hmm. and I know that like if I do everything right. That my great great grandchildren, they're not gonna be like even my my grandfather mm, or yeah. my father. Mm-hmm. This is gonna be very different because I set a different tone. Uh, and broke a cycle. Set of behaviors yeah. that just passed down. And so I'm really excited mm-hmm. about that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, thanks again, Ed. Listeners, stay with us. We'll be back in just a moment on the Positive Sobriety Podcast. Welcome back to the Positive Sobriety Podcast. And Nate, that was a fun conversation. Um, (laughs) It really was. I love Ed's energy and his outlook and his ability to, uh, you know, talk talk about himself in a way that, uh, you know, he's he's done a lot of exploration and, and self-understanding. I did want to share, though, uh, that I have a particular uh, boxing technique, and I didn't know if it'd be appropriate to, to share it with. Oh, really? Ed, Ed oh, or not. Yes, yeah, please. I have and found. Lightness. Yeah, I have found the absolute foolproof way not to get hit. And okay, it's, I never get in the damn ring. <laughs> I don't understand being hit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, well, yeah, so. he kind of made that point. I mean, there's got to there's got to be something in a man's or, or a woman's because they're yeah, women, women watchers now. Absolutely, oh, yeah, no, that's yeah, what, yeah. That makes you run toward the fight. I don't have mm-hmm. that gene. Yeah, uh, but my dad did. Mm. My dad did. I mean, he was not a professional fighter, but he was a scrapper. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. yeah well, you know, more power to him, man. I. Uh, but boy, I just I just don't understand getting hit. But that's but that's me. But man. <laughs> <laughs> but that level of self awareness is really unusual. Yeah. And the fact that he was able, uh, you know that he navigated those first four Mm -hmm. years of recovery on his own. I Mm -hmm. mean, we just talked to a unicorn. Mm -hmm. I I could never have done it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And he, and he, and he's humble enough to say he got lucky that he was able Mm -hmm. to do it. And I'm sure. And I got the sense that, that that trainer, Tom played a big role. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. 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 I I loved the, the concept of, of writing from his present sober self to yeah. that drunken version of himself, because I thought, you know, that'd be a great, that'd be a great therapy question. What would your recovering self now tell the person you were X years, yeah. months ago yeah. um, that, uh, you know, what would you want that person to know based on what yeah. you're experiencing right now? You know, you know, I, I look at Ed and, I, you know, he's a big man. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and you know, and I see a fighter, but I listen mm-hmm. to him talk. I hear an artist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely uh, the heart yeah. of an artist. Yeah. Oh, really? Introspective. And, yeah, yeah, and articulate. Mm-hmm. Communicator and, uh, and imaginative. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love the way he he strings concepts together. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I'm a little jealous that little baby is going to that baby's going to have a great dad. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely present and um, uh, engaged. You know, yeah, yeah, which yeah. Uh, you know that'd be a that's an awesome thing for any uh, little guy to be able to say. Yeah, so. yeah. Well, uh, I'm glad you picked up on that email, and I cannot. I, I it's because I guess uh, our listeners are doing what we ask them to do and they're Mm -hmm. rating us where they Mm -hmm. get their podcast that drives us up in the rankings, makes us Mm -hmm. more visible. Right. And then, uh, people like Ed or, and the publicists for people like Ed Mm -hmm. (laughs) now can see us and find us. Right. And uh, right. And so we get more and more, uh, fascinating guests. Yeah. I'm so glad that Ed took the initiative to reach out. Yeah, absolutely. uh, That you followed up. Yeah. Yeah, it was oh, it was great. Yeah, listeners, as always, we love to hear from you. Uh, you can you can reach us at positive sobriety podcast at gmail dot com. And if you haven't yet given us a rating or written a review, uh, what Ed said about his book, as we also uh, can say about the podcast, we we're not doing this for the money. <laughs> we're not, uh, but <laughs> but but uh, but the reviews are a wonderful reward. Oh, and man, the ratings yeah. are a wonderful reward. And uh, if uh, if you can just take a few minutes and give us a positive review, uh, that will make it more likely that somebody else on down the line who really needs to have uh, to be able to hear participate in a 
healthy recovery conversation will actually be able to find us. That's mm-hmm. a way that you can pay it forward. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that that's it for this week. Until next time, I'm Nate. And I'm David. And we are your pals on the Positive Sobriety The Positive Sobriety Podcast is recorded at Crossroads for the Nations in Brentwood, Tennessee. Live producer Rex Schnelli, music by Rex Schnelli, theme music by Matt Ulrich, Uh, hair and makeup by Lyle Lovett, uh, wardrobe (laughs) by Kathy Gifford. 